Welcome to the Hackberry House of Chosun. My name is Bob, and I'm reading today from a book entitled The Christian in Complete Armor. It's by William Gurnall. He's the English Bible scholar and pastor who died in 1679. We're talking about the spiritual girdle, the girdle of truth. That's the old King James word. It was uh, the belt to that part around the midsection that guarded the person a bit. And he's talking now, and he he says that truth and sincerity are basically synonyms. That's Gurnall's way of looking at it. So now, and this section's a little bit longer than normal, but he's talking about the characteristics of sincerity. The characteristics of sincerity. Number one, a sincere heart is a new heart. Hypocrisy is called the old leaven. Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump. 1 Corinthians 5, 7. Once dough is soured with leaven, it will never lose the taste of it. Either the heart must be made new, or it will keep its old quality. Although ingenuity and talent may conceal the false heart to make it more pleasant, as flowers and spiced perfumes are arranged around a carcass, both the corrupt heart and the rotten carcass remain unchanged. One heart and a new heart are both covenant mercies. I will give them one heart. I'll put a new spirit within you, and I'll take away the the stony heart out of their flesh. Ezekiel 11, 19. God promises to give one spirit, that is, a sincere spirit, toward God and man, contrary to a divided heart, the marks of hypocrisy. But how does God do this? He says, I will take away the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, I will melt and soften it and mold it all over again as many pieces of old silver are thrown into the fire to melt and come out as one piece. By nature, man's heart is a very divided and broken thing, scattered and parceled out to different lusts and weaknesses. But God throws his chosen vessels of honor into the fire of his word, where his spirit melts and transforms them into a holy oneness. At last the heart has been gathered in from all of its lusts and looks to God with a single eye in everything it does. If you wonder whether or not you are sincere, consider this. Do you have a new heart? Has God ever cast you into his furnace? Has his word, like fire, taken a hold on you and refined your impure spirit so the unbelief, pride, hypocrisy have been made visible and been separated like dross from gold? Only then are you free to sever sin from your soul and confess what a wretched person you have been. Even though your spiritual condition appeared attractive in man's eye, Do you grieve to recall the religious pageantry you produced for the community in the name of Christ while you privately entertained lusts inside the locked dressing rooms of your heart? But even more vital, are you not only sorrowful because of your divided affections, but now wholeheartedly determined to fear the name of God? Do you have just one design to love Christ and be loved of him. If the mighty power of God's Spirit has renewed your heart and gathered your affections into this one channel, 
and caused you to run to him with sweet violence, then you are greatly blessed of the Lord. Mountains and rocks of corruption may surface in your stream to hinder the free course of your soul as it rushes to God, but even with these windings and turnings to block the most direct way to him, sincerity, like water to the sea, will never turn back until it carries you to him. Number two, a sincere heart is a simple heart. The hypocrite is bred by the serpent and, like him, shrinks up or lengthens himself out to his best advantage, unwilling to expose himself to others. He has good reason, too, because he has the most credibility when he is least known. Hypocrites seek deep to hide their counsel from the Lord, and their works are in the dark, and they say, Who seeth us? Who knoweth us? Isaiah twenty nine fifteen. The hypocrite's pious words and the evil motives of his heart are miles apart. A sincere heart, however, is like a clear brook. You can see the bottom of this person's intents in his words and measures his heart by his tongue. <clears throat> but whoever made the proverb, Speak that I may see you, was not thinking of the hypocrite, who speaks so you cannot see him. For he wraps his deceit in the thickest fog he can find, religious vanity and pious profession. If you want to find sincerity, look for a plain-dealing heart. Paul and the rest of the faithful messengers of Christ conducted themselves among the Corinthians in simplicity and godly sincerity. They did not have a secret compartment in which to keep certain facts concealed, as the false prophets did. This plainness of heart shows itself in three ways. First, a sincere heart deals plainly with itself. The sincere heart searches itself with a determination and power. It will not be put off with excuses like the one Rachel gave Laban as she sat on his idols. And David refused to give up until he had found the disturber of his peace to be in himself. He was not too tender and protective of his reputation to smooth it over, but attacked the thief and indicted his sin by confessing it until God was justified. Psalm 77, David says, And I said, This is my infirmity, but I will remember the years of the right hand of the Most High. And David expressed, Lord, now I can see the Jonah which caused the storm in my heart and made me restless all this time. It was unbelief that weighed me down and would not let me look up to remember former blessings. And when I forgot them, I thought unworthy things of you. Are you kin to David in the way you uh, search your soul? Are you serious about it, as if you were looking for a murderer hiding in your house? Are you as aggressive to root out sin as the papists in Queen Mary's time were to find Protestants? Or when you do this work, do you avoid hunting too hard, trying to overlook what you do not want to find? Yet David was not satisfied with his own testimony, but relied on God to pronounce his soul pure or impure. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. and See if there be any wicked way in me 
Psalm 139. Even a doctor will not trust his own judgment about his personal health, but consults another. Similarly, after sincere Christians have prayed and opened their case to God, they're willing to hear whatever he has to say. These are the Christians who gladly submit themselves to the kind of searching ministry which strips their consciences naked and exposes their hearts. They're like the woman of Samaria who commended the sermon and the Christ who preached it because he told her all she had ever done. On the other hand, a false person does not like to hear out of both ears. He accuses the preacher of trespassing on private property when he steps up close to the conscience. And if he could do it, he would insist that God's minister vacate the premises immediately. John the Baptist, for instance, put his finger on Herod's sore spot. But although the king feared the words, he did not love the man and was persuaded to cut off the head that had in it a tongue so bold as to reprove his sin. Besides self-searching in a diligent way, the sincere heart, when confronted with clear evidence, is ready to pronounce judgment upon itself. It forgets self-pity, lets conscience have free reign, and will not be put off by sentiment. I have showed pride and impatience and anger today. No, this person is so clothed with fury against sin that he becomes deaf to the cry of the flesh, which would bargain for a lighter sentence. Um, I have sinned against the Lord, David confessed. I have sinned greatly. So foolish was I and ignorant. I, I was as a beast before thee. That's from different portions of, of the Bible. You've got Second Samuel and you've got Psalm 73. And then a true heart is plain with God also. The hypocrite juggles his prayers and asks for something he does not want God to give anyway, and thus is not bothered in the least when the answers do not come. At times Christians pray for greater godliness, but corruption does not fade and grace does not grow. This is where your hypocrisy or sincerity will show itself. If you are sincere, every minute will be an hour, every day a year, until you hear some news from heaven. Hope deferred will make the heart sick. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit, Hannah said to Eli. She had prayed for years, but God had not sent the answer. And thus a man may say, I have a bitter spirit because I have prayed for a, a soft and believing heart. But it has never come. Maybe I have not been sincere after all. Why else has my request hung in the clouds for so long? Such a man is anxious, like a merchant waiting for a rich ship at sea. He cannot sleep on the land until he sees her coming. But if you pray once and then forget it, as a child scribbles on scrap paper and then wads it up, or if you take denials from God as numbly as a, a cold suitor when he does not hear from the sweetheart he never really loved, a false heart rules in you. Just hope that God has not decided to answer the secret desire of that heart. Uh, if it does happen, you'll be lost forever. Another trait of a false heart is that it stands slothfully still and watches God work. Like the man whose cart fell into the ditch, he cried for help, but was not willing to put his own shoulder to the wheel. 
The hypocrite is so eaten up with cowardice and spiritual stagnation that he will not take a second step toward victory. But a sincere soul is conscientious. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens, Lamentations. The hypocrite's tongue wags, but the sincere Christian's feet walk and his hands work steadily toward the goal. And then the sincere soul shows its simplicity to men. We have had our conversation, Paul said to the Corinthians, in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom. The Christian will not subject heart to head and conscience to his policy. Because he commits himself to God, he does not fear other people. And neither does he risk putting a hole in his conscience to keep his skin whole but openly trusts God no matter what happens. The hypocrite, though, shifts his sails and flies whatever colors the world unfurls in front of him. If the coast is clear and no danger is in sight, he will appear as religious as anyone else. But no sooner does he discover a problem than he changes his course, concluding that the right road is any one which leads to safety. Proverbs sixteen seventeen: the highway of the upright is to depart from evil. Number three, the true-hearted Christian is uniform. Truth in the heart is an exact copy of the truth in God's word. They agree as the face in the mirror corresponds to the face of the man who looks into it. Therefore, if truth in the word is harmonious then truth in the heart, which is nothing but the impression of it, must be also. There is a threefold uniformity in the sincere Christian's obedience. He is uniform as to the object, subject, and several circumstances which accompany his obedience. The sincere Christian is uniform as to the object, That is, the hypocrite may touch the law of God in one point, in some particular command which pleases him, but ignore all the rest. Yet a sincere heart stays close to the whole law in desire and action. The upright man's foot is said to stand in an even place. He is sensitive to the will of God in its entirety. But Solomon said the legs of the lame are not equal and cannot stand in an even place because one leg is long and the other is short. The Pharisees, for example, pretended to have great zeal for some of the commandments. They fasted and prayed, but they prayed for their prey, P-R-E-Y. And when they had fasted all day, they ate at the expense of the widow whose house they devoured. It is a sad fast which only leads to a ravenous appetite to swallow others' property in the name of devotion. The moralist is punctual in his dealings with man, but thievish in his response to God. He would not steal a penny from his neighbor, but does not hesitate to cheat God of far greater matters. For instance, he owes God love, fear, faith, but it does not bother his conscience not to pay anything. It is the way of Scripture to describe a godly person by one particular grace flowing through his life. Sometimes his character is that he he feareth an oath, or he is one who loves the brethren, 
This is significant because wherever one characteristic is sincerely performed, the heart opens itself for another. As God has enacted all his commands with the same authority, God spoke all these words, so he infuses all graces together and writes the whole law in the hearts of his children. And the sincere Christian is uniform as to the subject. The whole man, renewed in his spirit, moves one way. All the powers and faculties of his soul join forces and enjoy sweet accord. When understanding discovers a truth, conscience exerts authority on the will and commands it in the name of God to act upon it. And as soon as conscience knocks, the will opens herself and lets it in. Then the affections, like loyal handmaids, see it as a guest, make the will welcome, and express their readiness to wait on it. But it is not so with the hypocrite. His will and conscience and affections war against one another. When there is light in the understanding, the man recognizes truth, but often his conscience is bribed and fails to chastise his will for the neglect of it. Usually conscience will not rouse up the soul to let truth in, but even when conscience forces its way in to plead its cause, it is such an unwelcome guest that it is met with frowns and denials. As a contrary wife makes life miserable when her husband brings home an associate that she dislikes. Or even worse, she hides her secret resentment and goes through the motions of entertaining their guest. Then the sincere soul is uniform as to the circumstances of his obedience and holy walk. He is uniform as to time. This man's religion is not like Sunday clothing to be worn but two or three hours a week. But you can drop in on him and find him clothed in holiness on Monday or Thursday, as well as on Sunday. Blessed are they that keep judgment and he that doeth righteousness at all times, Psalm 106.3. You cannot tell anything about the true complexion of a man facing a fireplace. The color may change when the fire dies out. Some people are like flowers. You must be there at the right season to catch sight of their godliness blooming or you won't see it at all. The sincere Christian may be interrupted in his spiritual course, but as soon as the temptation is removed, he returns to the exercise of holiness, all because he has a new nature. The hypocrite, however, fails in the very fiber and, and frame of his spirit. He does not have the principle of grace to keep him moving. Again, the sincere Christian is uniform as to place and company. In public or among his closest relatives, David's purpose was the same. Of the private sphere, he said, I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. But also, whenever he went out, he carried his conscience with him. He did not make it stay behind until he came back as Abraham required of his servants on the mountain. The Romans had a law that everyone should wear a badge identifying his trade on his hat or coat. The sincere Christian never willingly lays down the badge of his holy profession. 
When he must be among boisterous or sarcastic sinners, he does not expose his beliefs to scorn by casting their pearls before those who would trample them. Some places are so full of profanity and wickedness that sincerity does not have opportunity to speak reproof with safety to the saint. Often a man stays in a situation where he is reluctant to protest sin and showing foolish disregard for his own soul, he may refuse to leave the place where he is constantly receiving evil instead of good. He would, in such a case, do well to question his sincerity before God. Number four, the sincere Christian is progressive. We don't be using that in the way it's being used today, at least in modern America. He never comes to his journey's end until he gets to heaven. This keeps him always leaning unto God, thankful for each little favor, but not smugly content with great measures of grace. When I awake, said David, I shall be satisfied with thy likeness. He had enjoyed many sweet hours of communion at the house of God, and the Holy Spirit had brought him covered dishes of inward comfort from God's banquet table, dishes of which the world knew nothing. Yet David realized he would never have enough until heaven gave him his full portion. When the Gauls first tasted the wines of Italy, they were so impressed with their sweetness that they would not just trade for this wine, but resolved to conquer the whole land which furnished the grapes. And thus the sincere Christian does not think it is enough to receive uh, simple samples of grace and comfort from heaven on special occasions doing long-distance business with God. No, he meditates on taking that holy and blessed place, which is the source of these riches, and looks forward to drinking the wine of the kingdom in the kingdom. This kind of meditation raises the soul to climb nearer and nearer heaven. The man who aims at the sky shoots higher than he who intends only to hit a tree. Paul said, I press toward the mark, for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus, Philippians 3.14. Other people admired the apostles' spiritual achievements and would have been happy with them. Yet Paul would have been most unhappy had he never scaled new heights of God's grace. He admitted that he had not apprehended what he was running for. The prize does not appear at midway, but at the end of the race. And Paul ran toward it with full speed. Only the hypocrite shortchanges himself in the things of God. He wants just enough knowledge to talk religion among religious people. Otherwise, he leaves it alone. He chooses enough good works and church attendance to be seen and respected and avoids socially unacceptable sins. But he would never bother to press in for a deeper communion with the Holy God. He is like an irresponsible businessman who does not care much about making profits, but is content merely to keep his store open and stay out of jail, though engaged in a thousand compromising schemes. You have seen the inside of a sincere heart, and after examining yourself in the light of these characteristics, your conscience will return one of three reports. Conscience will condemn you as a hypocrite. It will confirm your sincerity or it will leave you in ignorance and doubt because you dare not accept your sincerity.
Next section, next time, instructions to the insincere. Instructions to the insincere. Thank you for listening. I do like hearing from you. Please contact me with questions and comments at bob.j.faulkner.72 at gmail.com or you can respond within the site there at Sermon Audio. Look around the site, by the way. I do believe you'll find much that will be beneficial. There are readings from great preachers, stories from the persecuted church, Bible studies, a whole lot more. This is the Hackberry House of Chosun, and Lord willing, we'll talk again real soon. Bye-bye.